Father, we are excited to come and hear your word. Excited that we, Lord, get to, Lord, come together as a body. Praise you and worship you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we get to do this here this Sunday. And so as we enter in, we want to enter in with hearts, moldable, hearts, shapeable. Lord, we want your word to transform us. We want to leave changed. Lord, we want to be on that wheel. And you as the potter, you want to work on us. And so, Father, we thank you that you are the one needing us. You are the one shaping us. You are the one in control. So we freely give ourselves to you. And so let these words come straight from you. Lord, we're excited to hear the word of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I am still sick. If you were here last Sunday, the cold has kept on going on in the Christmas spirit, I guess. It's being extended. I don't know. And so, the good thing is it hasn't extended to my family. So, I haven't given the gift of giving this cold. Even though I've tried. No, just kidding. I haven't tried. Uh, but... If my throat sounds a little scratchy, if you cannot hear me, I'm sorry. I'm trying my hardest to extend it as much as I can. Uh, Judy gave me some throat lozenges, bless her soul. And so I feel a little bit stronger to make through these next 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, if you haven't been here for Advent season, uh, this is your first time here. We've, we're working through uh, hope, joy, love, and peace. And this week we're on joy. The last two weeks we have done hope and peace and the theme is peace has a name and hope it has a name and joy it has a name and if you weren't here for the first week we had hope is an optimism it has a name and it is Jesus we're not just wishing for things our hope is in Jesus he has given us all assurance we can rest assured in him last week we talked about peace now people just hope for, they just wishing for peace. And they, sometimes they just dream about it. And so peace, I said, isn't a dream. It has a name, it is Jesus. He has come, if we can remember that shalom, he has finished it. That was incomplete in our hearts and our lives. And he has placed that brick to make it complete again. And so now we have peace with him. And in this week, we're talking about joy. And like, what a joyful worship experience we just had. That was awesome. And then to have our kids up here, and that's joyful. Man, just to see them praising the Lord, that just brings much joy to me. And there's so many stories of joy. We hear joy a lot around Christmas. I have kids, they're excited for Christmas Day. You know, Christmas comes bright and early on Christmas Day. It's like 6 o'clock. I have three boys, they come torpedoing into our bed. And once we hear that door open, we are automatically in fetal position because we know we're about to get rock bottom, boom, like right on, on our bodies here because we have boys. They don't come in quietly, mom and dad. They're coming, it's Christmas, screaming, and then jumping on the bed. They want you to get up. And then we get up, and we start running down the stairs, and they scream again. Like, ah! And then Kim's like, Jeremy, stop screaming. Bro, like, it's Christmas! <laughs> and then we start opening gifts, and we start ripping them open, and this is the best day ever. And then you realize... I forgot batteries. <laughs> so this is a friendly reminder. If you have gifts with batteries, you pick up batteries right after you leave this service today. Because you know what? I guess 
small town Eston, there wasn't anything open in Eston, and so we couldn't just get batteries. So sometimes I'd have made my way to the school to get, pick up some batteries, but you might have some grace here with things being open on Christmas Day. But, and then they're just so excited, and then who, is, who has peeked at their gifts before? We could say, sorry, hands up. I'm still peeking right now. So, <laughs> thank you for all my gifts, Cam. <laughs> but then this uh, Zion came up to me and he just like sat by me and we were just sitting talking. Like, excited for Christmas? And yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm super excited. He's like, Dad, I have to confess something. I was like, okay, what? He's like, I peeked at my gifts last year. <laughs> I was like, what? You peeked at your gifts? He's like, yeah, I accidentally walked in and. And I accidentally looked under the bed. He didn't use accidentally in the appropriate term at all. And, but he just, just so much joy that people have, or kids have at this Christmas time. And it got me thinking of my relationship with Kim. And we met at Bible school, and it was great. Obviously, it was great. We're married. And there was four months where she went back to Saskatchewan, and I went back to Pittsburgh after the end of school in Portland to work. And it was, I thought I was going to be okay. But as I was leaving, I had never cried so much in my life. Just weeping like a baby in the corner of the airport and trying to be like, I'm okay, I'm okay. I missed her. But then there was this joyful anticipation to see her again when we went back to school, this time in Eston in September. And so we hear stories about joy. I was in IGA and I was going through the checkout and some ladies like, oh, people... This time of year, they're just so happy. They're so excited. There's just so much joy. But then somebody was like, actually, I think it's the opposite. She's like, I see so many people that are not happy, depressed, and things like that. And so Christmas at this time could do two things. It could bring much joy, much excitement. But then it can personify all the things that actually are going wrong in our lives. And it brings people down and doesn't make them happy or excited. And so, for some of them, though, they get those gifts, and they're excited about those gifts, and they bring that momentary joy, that joy of like, oh, this is awesome. And they get to play with it, or they have it for a while, and some people are showered with gifts. But, you know, this season is then followed by what people call the most depressing time of the year, January, February, obviously because of the weather, but also because they realize how much they spent on Christmas. <laughs> and so, it's inescapable. The joy that Christmas truly brings, that we experience, is everlasting. But the joy people are looking for and the things outside of the everlasting joy, Jesus, they perish. So we're going to start the sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. He said it's good. And so naturally people find joy and beauty and good and the good things of life, like growing flocks. Or an abundant harvest on the hills. Or people like, enjoy the scenery. We're in the Okanagan, right? Enjoy the scenery. I'm enjoying it. It can bring joy to us. And the poet of Psalms 104 says, A good bottle of wine is a God's gift to, to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding. People find joy in their, in their kids. We see this in the Bible. And uh, there's a Hebrew proverb that says, compares joy to the perfume that it brings to a nose, or that the joy that perfume brings to your nose. 
It's like, what? Some, so, guys, if you're looking for some joyful wives, perfume, it says in the Bible, or it just does something. Or a joy a good friend brings to your heart, right? You have conversation with a friend, and it's, oh, it feels good. So we can find joy in things. I find joy in things. I find joy in golf. Yeah, I know what you guys are thinking. I'll show you how good my golf skills are right now. Just I don't want you guys to perish. I love you. And so, but I'm enjoying this. But you know what? I'm not that great at this. You know, my club, it will perish too. It will perish either by the use or it will eventually perish by me throwing it into the woods because I've hit a bad shot. So things like this will perish. Things that bring us joy in this earthly sense, they can perish. And so we see in the Bible that human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. Because it's an attitude God's people adopt. Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable. The promised land was still far away. They rejoiced anyways. And this can, this can ring to our hearts, right? Sometimes we feel like we're in the desert. Sometimes we feel very vulnerable. We may feel very vulnerable right now. Sometimes we are waiting to be with Jesus. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them. So the Lord caused his people to leave with joy and his chosen ones to shout with joy. And we see this in Psalms 105, 42 to 43. For he remembered his holy promises given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. And in those times, in those moments, when we feel we're vulnerable and dry, this is a sign that we need to actually shout for joy for what God has done for us. So the joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny, by what was to come. And so this theme reappears later in Israel's story when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for the day, he looked for the day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. He was foreshadowing, there's going to be a day a better Moses. That's when those remembered by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And that was what we read this morning in our, in our reading. There's going to be overcoming joy. And while the Israels waited, Israelites waited, they chose a joy to anticipate their future redemption. All the things that brought them temporary joy, they were destructible. They could perish. Like our kids, I love them. 
but they're just like me, they're human. Perfume. Once we shower that on, it eventually is going to run out. You can water it down as much as you like, but it's going to run out. Free from oppression, but then they were oppressed again. Our beautiful surroundings, our beautiful hills, the things that we like, we can see they're susceptible to forest fires. The joy of those things, they are perishable. My golf club, I will go Bo Jackson on it at one point and break it over my knee. You're like, Jeremy has anger issues. I don't actually, I really don't. But I have tossed a club maybe into a pond once. Maybe. It wasn't my pond, it was my, friend, it was my friend's club, but we no longer golf together. So when we read about the prophecies of Isaiah, in Isaiah, we will find one key word attached to most of them. And it's this, joy or rejoicing. The Isaiah prophecies always pointed to joy. They always pointed to joy. Isaiah 51.11. Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them in sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isaiah 35.10. And those, I know, you're like, this is happening, what? And those the Lord has rescued with return, they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You're like, that was, you, you just put it twice. No, it's in separate spots, the same thing. So good, it had to be said twice. And then Isaiah 9, 2-3, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoicing at the harvest, as warriors rejoice. Joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice. It's the sound of the Isaiah prophecies. The things that you find joy in, they're not going to be as good as the joy that's coming. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. This was it. Finally, 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 the long-awaited gift. And this is where we land in our scripture. If you want to turn, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2, 10 to 11. If not, if you don't have your Bibles, it will be up here on the board. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When we get to the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke, we see joy attached to all the characters that are in contact with Christ. The story of God's coming to be with God's people in flesh and blood. The joy factor is now through the roof. Joy has gone viral in the Christmas story. It's contagious. It's everywhere as you read it. And we see scripture connecting 
As we mentioned in the Old Testament, that when the Messiah is spoken of, joy is referenced. And now we see that the Messiah has come, joy is connected. This rings to them. This is it. The joy that we've been looking for. By the end of the second chapter of Luke, there's hardly been a single character in the entire story who hasn't had the word joy on his lips at some point. The angels are sharing it. I bring you great news of tidings and great joy. The women are feeling it. Unborn babies are leaping for it in womb. The shepherds are racing towards Bethlehem because they heard tell of it, and three wise men are on hot on their heels on that journey too. It's, if joy is like the clear, sweet sound of a bell you've been longing to hear, it's ringing like a gong for the whole world to hear. They were so excited because this is what they knew. The dawning of indestructible, unperishable joy, a joy that will never, ever go away, has now come. I'm going to be quick. i got two points. I know. We're all hungry. I'm hungry, too. I need some tea. Um, Two things that Jesus showed us about joy. I want to work through it real quick. The first thing is joy comes from our stance with God, or it comes from our relationship with Jesus. We see Jesus' own joy when he makes himself the shepherd in the parable of the lost sheep. What does he do when he finds his lost sheep? Truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. That's in Matthew. When he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Joy in Jesus. Joy in that the lost is found. Jesus even cast himself as the woman in the parable of the lost coin. And this is like, whoa. Like, women not in that time, they weren't seen as great as the men. Not true, but that's how it, it was perceived. And so the fact that Jesus put himself in that place showed that he lowered himself. And we, I'm so sorry, that sounds so bad. But that's how the biblical time, talk about biblical times here. And so we get a glimpse of his joy. When she found it, he says, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then we catch a double glimpse of this in Luke 10, 17-22. First, when the 72 return with joy, celebrating that even the demons are subject to them in Jesus' name, he challenges the source of their exuberance. He says, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice not in ministry fruit that is yours, but in your Father who has made you his. The joy that fed and sustained Jesus himself was not the sermons he gave, or the sick he healed, even the dead he raised, but the relationship he had 
with his father. The bottom of his joy was not what he did in the world, but whose he was, his identity. He was his father's. That's where his joy came. He said, you want joy? There's joy when you come into relationship with God. And there's joy in our relationship with Christ. And so sometimes when we're not feeling as joyful, maybe you hear you don't know Christ. I want to correct that today. I want you to come talk to me and come experience the joy that we have. But maybe you do know Christ and you're like, I'm just not feeling that joyful. Then what we do is we connect with him. When our relationship with him grows deeper, the joy that is in our hearts comes out. It comes out. The spirit can only work if we let it work. The fruit of the spirit, joy. The fruit of who he is in us, it will come out. So draw close to him at this time. Read your Bible, pray, and that joy will just come. Christ's relationship was so joyful. Christ was so joyful about his relationship with his father that whatever circumstances he was going through, he had much joy. Much joy. Because he promised that his followers' joy will be unshakable. Because the full measure of Christ's own joy will be reproduced in us. It's a remarkable production. Amazing. The joy would just come and bubble over inside of us. Our second point is there's joy in all circumstances. And this, this is sometimes the toughest one. It's actually, this is the toughest one. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying in Matthew 5.12, when people reject and persecute you for following me, Rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. And that statement connects directly back to the scripture in the Old Testament when Israel is in the wilderness, being persecuted, being chased. Then after his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known to be full of joy, full of joy. And they were even persecuted, full of joy, yet persecuted. Full of joy in their, in their tough circumstances. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that his, he's chosen joy even if he gets executed. It's like, whoa. What do you mean? That's... That's something that people can't think of. So that's something you just can't make up. He called this the joy of faith or the joy in the Lord. He believed it was a gift of God's spirit. A sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean you ignore your sorrow. It's there. It's happening. That's not healthy it's not, or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called this being full of sorrow 
and yet rejoicing. In the tough circumstances of life, Paul, full of sorrow, but rejoicing. And as he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus. And this is big, to trust Jesus. That his loss wouldn't be the final word. That this wouldn't be it. See, joy is not happiness on steroids. Nor is it a denial of reality. Our world offers happiness only when things can go right. What Jesus was offering, joy in the midst of everything, in the midst of all life circumstances. Because he, it says in Isaiah, was going to be the one who took the sorrows, our sorrows, take them to the cross. He was never described in the New Testament as a man of sorrows. He says he went to the cross. And it was his joy that carried him through. And so what that shows us is that he takes our sorrows and he replaces them with joy. And so when we have that joy in our hearts, when we have Jesus in our hearts, we can know that there's things that we're going through that are tough, but we can know that one has overcome them and he has taken them for us. Christian joy doesn't mean that we're sticking our heads in the sand and saying, it's fine. We're fine. Everything's okay. You know, we use that word fine. We know what it really means. Jesus is in denial of grief, grief or pretending happiness. Or, I mean, joy is in denial of grief or pretending happiness. Joy is the affirmation of the truest thing in our lives. And this is the truest thing. The truest thing about us is that we are sons and daughters of the living God. There's true things about us. Yes, I'm a father. Yes, I'm American. Yes, I've made mistakes. But you know what? That's not the truest thing about me. The truest thing about me is who I am in Christ. A son of him. And that's what we can rest assured in. That's where we can find our joy. And that he came so we can be a part of the family. And that he gave us a name, sons and daughters of the living God. So there might be some true things about you. But the truest thing is, you are a son and daughter of the living God. And learning to trust in the truest thing is your life is where joy will come in. We have all heard this song, Joy to the World. We just sang it. The man who wrote Joy to the World understood Joy to the World. That kind of sounded funny because my throat kind of gave out there. The man who wrote Joy to the World, he understood pain. He was gravely sick. Isaac Watts was his name who wrote that song, Joy to the World. Gravely sick, where he had to quit pastoring. He went to propose to the love of his life, to his bride-to-be, hopefully, and she gracefully said, Ahem, no. He has constant opposition by the inside these walls and outside these walls about what he did. He felt the pain. His circumstances did not change. But you know what? 
joy to the world. It's his way of preaching the hope of the gospel, not only to himself, but it was the ultimate joy that was there, and that is Jesus. It's for us. Joy is that strong current that run, runs underneath the stormy surface of our emotions and helps alter the attitudes of our hearts. I heard it explained like this. There is this Timothy Keller bought a house in Philadelphia on the hillside. And it gets super hot in the summer. And it was just scorching down on the house. But they would get to their basement and it would be cool and damp. And so then after they'd been wondering about this, one of their neighbors said, there's a subterranean stream that runs from the mountain underneath your basement. Joys like that. It's something that runs deep inside of us. When life is scorching down on us, when it's hot, when it feels overbearing, something comes out from us, and that's that joy of the Lord in the midst of t- tough circumstances. True joy is found in Jesus, the perfect Savior given to a desperate world. His joy is not circumstantial, neither does it bend a knee to suffering. His joy is not dormant in difficulty, and neither does it succumb to sadness. See, joy is imperishable. It has a name, and its name is Jesus. It will never be extinguished. It will never break like this golf club. It will never perish. It is in you. It is inside of you. The joy of the Lord. I just want to close with this, and I'll invite the worship team to come up and as we close. It says in Luke 24, 52, And after he left them, ascending into heaven and promising to return, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. When Christ left us, he gave us the joy that everyone was looking for. And we see the disciples here. They see him. They feel him. They worship him. And then they return with great joy. That joy is now inside of us. And what they went, did and when they returned is they went to go share of the joy that has come now for eternity, forever. That's not perishable. That's not found in things. Christ has left his Holy Spirit with us so we can experience joy and share it with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indestructible, everlasting joy. That in you we find everything we need. Lord, joy isn't happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes with circumstances. Joy is something that's deep down inside of us. When we look at the sorrows in our life and we know that you are the truest thing that we have in our lives. And from that, we can rejoice knowing that you have come to save us. So Father, I thank you that we have everlasting joy with you. Lord, as they came, everybody rejoiced. And Lord, as we come here, we rejoice. Lord, how can we not rejoice? How can we not be full of joy? So we thank you that you are the one who sees us through the wilderness.